When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Blast away plug with the Colgate Blast cordless water flosser from Chemist Warehouse. Now just $99.99. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. to put a full stop on this game, which he does. Springboks too good on the day, and they get the victory, and the first win of the Rugby Championship by 26 points to 10. dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win i give you the number one ranked eater in the world joey chestnut swamsky back in the pocket has the chance to drop the goal it comes to Stransky. Up goes the kick. Stransky has kept his head. And the two minutes gone in the second period of extra time. South Africa's dream is alive once more. Good morning, Atamarie, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. It is Thursday the 6th of July, July already, and it's just after 6 o'clock. It's a big good morning to you, our wonderful listeners that tune in every single morning, every day, to listen throughout the day, covering all sports. Plenty of sport coming up this weekend, plenty of rugby, in fact. We've got Joel Stransky, the great man, the heartbreaker. That broke our hearts in 1995. Ooh, Joel Stransky. Spent a bit of time with him in South Korea. Looking forward to having a chat to him after seven about that uh, Springboks Wallabies test match this weekend. 7.40, Jeremy Coney going to be covering off the Ashes. The third series, do or die for England as they try and park what went on in, in game one and two and get back on the horse. And then after eight, Daniel Hillier 
Uh, life has changed a hell of a lot for Daniel. He's obviously uh, won the last DP World Tour British Masters. And lads, he's over in the UK and he's at Royal Liverpool where the Open takes place July the 23rd. So life has changed a hell of a lot in his pocket and on his journey. So he is ready and he's going to join us at around 8 o'clock this morning. But good morning to you, lads. Kempi, Sammy, the married couple. How you doing? <laughs> We're doing well. Things have been quite civil this morning, haven't they? They, they, have, they have, darling. Everything's been great. Yeah. Just keep it that way. Yeah, eh? we, We've got three keep... hours to get through, so uh, <clears throat> everything's, good. <laughs> everything's good up here. It's either hot dogs or on. Mate, the studio smells like a, uh, what, a what do you call it, like a side hustle after an NRL game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if Kez has whacked up any onions with that. Uh, wow. Definitely no tomato sauce out there. And I hope he puts a heap of chilli in just to get Sam going for the rest of the morning. It'd well, be, it's, yeah. it's not for comfort, is it? It's not for comfort, Sammy. You no, want less is best, isn't it? It's just a hot dog and a bread, isn't it? It's not, but... Um like I'm not even that nervous about the actual challenge. I am nervous about whether or not Kez is going to cook them properly because he told <laughs> us this morning that he's that the only thing he's ever cooked in his life is toast. So uh, yeah, and have I'm you not, seen him? T- have you seen his toast? <laughs> oh my god! He, so yeah, he needs a little bit of he needs a little bit of help. So I'll go out there and make sure that uh, they're nice and hot. Yeah, well, just All like right. the, the comedy will be good today, is he? But just be prepared for maybe solo hosting tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, lads, I can't lose you. That's why we're doing it at eight twenty. Eight twenty this morning, we're going to get a hot dog eating competition between the two married couple there in the studio, and we we need a name. You know, Joey Chestnut, sixty-two hot dogs in ten minutes, sixteen-time winner, will go down as one of the greats in all sport. I was reading on Sports Center the, the other day. He's won. Pretty much every eating competition known to man. I saw tacos, I saw pizzas, I saw everything. There was a, about three pages, three three lists, mm. um, and it was phenomenal. He's got a gift, he does, Joey Chestnut. Um, I don't know, do, do we know where that nickname came from, the Joey Chestnut? He, no there's idea. probably some interesting no. backstory. I'll tell you what, Izzy, we actually Eating do chestnuts. We do have some uh, nicknames. Uh, I don't know if you want us to reveal <laughs> okay. them now, if you want us to hold off until 820, but we've got, some, hold nick- them. We've got, some, we've got some nicknames. We've got some nicknames. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, looking forward to that at uh, 8.20 this morning. But there's plenty going on, Sammy Kempe. The All Blacks spring box. Where do we start? I'll tell you, we're sitting out in the studio this morning in England and Australia come up in the other 20s. I thought it was a semi-final, mate. I'm getting... Kempe was on the edge of his seat thinking he was watching a live <laughs> semi-final and it's a replay of a pool match. <laughs> I'm going, it's like four minutes to go and Aussie scored a try. I've got double level. They've leveled it against England in the semi. The Aussies, they're coming home, and then it comes up in the pool. Now they get a pool sheet with the, I think it was England, Ireland, was it? I think in that pool in Australia. And I went, yeah, oh, yeah. no, it's just the pool game. Mate, they, I think the big thing for me is in and around the All Blacks is where's the promotion? Like I had, I have no idea what time it's on. Um, mm. where, it, where, where it's being played. I know it's against Argentina up there, but... Um, as far as promotion goes, like back in the old days, everyone would be talking about the All Blacks playing this weekend, um, yeah. and the selections for the for the game. Like, well, no, we're going to talk a little bit about selections. Like, who's actually playing? That's the other one. Mm. I said to Sammy, they named the team yet? He goes, no, they name it the day before. Well, forty? Is it forty eight hours? Is yeah, it's about forty eight hours. So I'm yeah. expecting in the next day. Yeah. So that they'll name it. So it's seven, ten past seven on Sunday morning. Catch it on lives on Sky Sports. Uh, but you did right. It's flying under the radar over there. Um, 
when you think of the squad and the injuries that have, that have been taking place before they left, it's going to be a, a relatively predictable team, I'm feeling, for the All Blacks to take on Argentina. Um, a couple of opportunities for players potentially to stamp their mark. Caleb Clark, in fact, will probably start on the left wing. This is a chance for him to really repay the faith of the selectors, I'm feeling. Mm. He's going to get a crack. Nimoni Narawa, obviously been getting a lot of recognition in his home franchise, Players Player of the Year and, and taking out the Top Gong Award. He's probably going to get a start. I'm predicting he'll start on the right wing. And now it's the fact of fullback. Will Jordan's back home. Geordie Barrett will play 12. So that leaves Bowden Barrett. Now, I know many want to see Sean Stevenson have a crack, but I just don't think Fozzie will go there. Yeah, and they because they lost the the game, didn't they, to Argentina um, last year? So they wouldn't want to start a World Cup campaign having a loss against Argentina. I I wouldn't think. But mate, I, I, the only th- the only question I got is the the season for the Chiefs and the Crusaders. You know, the length of the season, and and if you do want to mm-hmm. debut uh, Sean Stevenson, do you do you give him that debut? And rest Richie Mwanga because that's the other one. Richie Mwanga's had a big year, hasn't he? Damien McKen- mm. Damien McKenzie's had a big year. Like, do you start Bodie at ten and Sean Stevenson at fullback? Um, but well, I, guess, that- I guess that's down to that's down to them managing that final semi final final week. Yeah, is all I'm thinking. They, it, it's an extra week off. Izzy, you'll know this as well. Um, it must be tough given that you've only got the three rugby championship games. So in, in any other given year, you'd have a million opportunities to blood someone like Sean Stevenson in after he's had rest mm. or whatever or against a weaker opposition. But given World Cup year, and we know the, the schedule was so condensed, three games, they need to see him. If they do, if they're considering taking him over, they've got to see him in some capacity. And Izzy, what, can you throw us a couple of names? Who do you think is, I'm not going to say on the firing line, but you said Caleb Clark. Who's a couple of players that... Uh, they've they've really got to perform in this rugby championship, otherwise they may miss the the flight over to France. Uh, I'd say Caleb Clark would be the the realistic one. I think Caleb Clark has to have a huge couple of weeks uh, to really stamp his mark. Um, I'd say he's probably the one that is most in the firing line. I'd say probably another guy, Nipo Lalala. Yeah, I think Nipo's position, particularly if Joe Moody is able to get back and be fit potentially a um, couple of games there and, and the NPC that he could probably get under his belt. So I'd say probably those two, potentially a lot of pressure on. Um, and and just on that, it's a difficult one, isn't it, Sam and Kempe? Like, they've got only got a couple of games, so what do you do? What's your approach? Mm. Do they have the mindset to allow these guys opportunities or is it just a simple fact, we've got a fire and we've got a fire from the outset? I know these players have played a hell of a lot of rugby. The Blue, uh, the Chiefs and the Crusaders played a, a grilling, grueling final. But the reality is we need to see our best team. Yeah. And our best team at the moment, I think, is Richie Moanga at 10. And Geordie and Rico will probably take out the midfield with Moni Narawa at his disposal. Probably get him on the right wing, form right winger in the competition. Talia, seen uh, pictures of him training. He doesn't look as bad as I probably thought. There was a photo of him uh, running around Damien McKenzie, so he's back in the fold. And then Will Jordan, Les Whanganuku out, that leaves Bowden Barrett at the back for that dual playmaker, which, to be honest, I'm probably not a fan of, mm. but he's over there. Will Jordan's not there, so he's going he's gonna to start at fullback. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think you, know, you, don't have an, you don't have the luxury of 
playing test matches to blood and and check players out. You know, the the roll into the World Cup, yeah. you'd probably want to have at least three games where you've got your first team playing and yeah. building co- combinations and and yep. getting some confidence around them and knowing that they are the number one team, go- the, like the number one player in that position going to win the World Cup. You know, th- I've never ever liked the chopping and changing of players. You know, one week you're yeah. in, one week I'm resting you because I want to see someone else or or you need a break. I just think as he and I've you know this is the the era that I grew up in. If you were the best and they picked you, mate, the other guy had yeah. to take your jersey off you. Uh, it, was, it was up to you to either lose it or someone else just to be playing some incredible football to beat you. And that was the luxury of 2011 to 2015, really, with Shag. He, he almost did just pick the same team for four years. I mean, yeah, there were sort of ins and outs here and there, but by and large, the, the nucleus was mm. stayed the same. The other interesting, the really interesting thing for me uh, is, is, is South Africa sending over or basically all their stars to New Zealand a week early. Apparently, they're here today. They, they arrived today or last night. Um, you know all the big names like um, Fath de Klerk and Cyclese, even though I know he's uh, he's injured, um, and you know host of the other, they're, they're all here now, getting ready for next weekend. Sort of shows where their where their priorities lie and their thinking lies. Preparations are different, eh? Like you just don't know what the preparations are like. Mm. It's both sides, isn't it? Arasi Rasmus, and then you got Niamba, obviously coaching the team. Apparently, I've, I was reading this article. It's been a part of the plan, so they've planned for this for a while. Uh, we don't know the All Blacks plan and kind of approach. It's got to be different. Like for us, I feel like we've got to go over there. We've got to show our wits and, and get some continuity going, some some team unity and connections to allow us to go in a couple of weeks. Maybe a week out or the last test match, we have an opportunity to blood a couple of players. But I feel like we just need to get the ball rolling. We need to win the fans back, instill some confidence in the squad and and get it sorted. But I'm looking at that squad there, uh, Sammy Hughie. you got Willie LaRue, Cannon Moody, Lukam Arm, uh, Andre Esterhuizen, Kurtley Arance, Mani Lebok, which is uh, starting at 10, and don't know much about him. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Kobus Reinach, Dwayne Vermeulen is back. World Player of the Year a while back. So he's taking over the skipper's role. Peter Steph Dutoy. Uh, player of the Year in 2019 as well. And uh, they've got a lot of uh, depth there, but you'd think Australia would be licking their lips at this opportunity to take on the Springboks, wouldn't it? Well, they, it almost seems like they've split the team in half, you know. So they've left half of the yeah. half of the big stars in there, but then, yeah, they've sent half here. With, I think Ed Sabeth, Ches and Colby have come here early as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I heard uh, B talking about it last night and saying, look, the point start is at 10.5 for Australia, which is... That's that's not bad if you just want a little bit of insurance, Kempi. Given ten and a yeah. ten and a half down here, they can't be, they can't be that bad. Aussie, no, Aussie are ten and a half over in South Africa. Oh, mm. they, they've got the plus ten and a half point start on the on the on the Springboks. Yeah, oh. I reckon that's a that's definitely <laughs> worth a dabble. <laughs> I know I know Eddie Jones is is polarizing, and I know that he's going to pick a team and get them up for maybe the first one. That, that's probably the only reason you'd look at the ten and a half, but. Seriously, I'm, well, oh, they've, never won, they've thought, never won in Pretoria, have they? I've never ever, I've never, it hasn't even crossed my mind to think about the Australians. I just don't think they're uh, an abs, uh, like a threat, an absolute threat in the World Cup. All, all I can think about is New Zealand playing France and Ireland, and whether or not they get through to the to the major stages. That's that's the 
the side of the draw that um, everyone's really worried about. So, um, what Eddie Jones does, who cares? Something's ticking away in my head there, Kempi, about Eddie Jones and the Wallabies. I don't <laughs> oh, no. know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. There's just something no, you know, there. Y- yeah, the, the, the Eddie Jones factor is he's good for one or two big upsets. Mm. You know, like he's That's good. For, he's good for an upset, and but he's never. Gonna, it's good for a year. Exactly, he's good for a year, and he'll, and he'll, you know, he might tip some big name up in the quarter fi- you know, in the quarter final. But then, but that's that's where it stops. You know, he uses all of his energy mm. almost on the on those one big games, um, like with us, right in twenty nineteen, used all the energy mm. on the semi final, and then just got completely played off the park in the final from South Africa. So, yeah, he'll he'll cause some headaches, but um, I'm I'm sort of in Kempi's. I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried about him. No, I, I think the reason I'm worried is is just because Eddie's. Factor and, and yeah, look, obviously, toward the end of his England tenure, it just got pear shaped. But I think when you get a fresh face, a fresh voice in there, and they've got the eligibility rules on their side where they can pick overseas, and they've got players that we haven't seen much of, but quality test players that have played at World Cups. I don't know. I just, I just, I get a sense that, that they're going to surprise many. Does, and, it, um, does, does, that, know, does that sort of, you know, just playing devil's advocate here, though, like, you know, you've been an ex-All Black and you're thinking about Australia bringing back these players from overseas. How does that sit with you when you've got the same thing happening with New Zealand where you can't pick players coming back from overseas? Uh, look, I've had to probably change my tune when I was a part of it. I thought, yeah, you know, you've got to be in New Zealand to have a genuine crack. But that was just kind of uh, the the reputation and the ego side of me thinking that the All Blacks were better and bigger than everyone else. It's a changing landscape now. You know, like the the money that's on offer for these players around the world, you just can't compete. So, uh, uh, Steve Hansen said it yesterday. You know, the North they ain't going to change, so we may have to change. Yeah, maybe mm. we have to change our approach and, and try and evolve with it because otherwise, we're going to lose a ton of players. Because at the moment, uh, have we got the money? Yes, the top ten players probably get paid big bucks, but the rest of the rest. They don't get enough, and the reality is, overseas they pay enough. So, look, I'll, I'll probably have to change my tune a wee bit on that one, Kimpy. Mm. I think uh, realistically, we're going to have to adapt and, and evolve. I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, less the Finuku going up at his age in the All Blacks now. What yeah. happens if he becomes the world's best player? And there's a rule down here saying, well, the All Blacks can't pick him. Yeah. Hey, have you, um, have you guys heard my theory on Eddie Jones? <laughs> no, but I guess no. we are. Um, I always have this theory that Eddie always sounds like he's a little bit drunk, you know. He's had a couple of beers when he talks, eh, like this. <laughs> that was a mixture of Australian South African. I oh, know, I probably, probably, probably did wade into a little bit of uh, little bit of Rossi there, hey. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's all good. Hey, um, boys, uh, speaking of, of Joey Chestnut and, uh, and, and hot dog eating competitions, uh, Charlie's just texted through saying, Joseph Christian Chestnut, that's the real name. So chestnut is no nickname; it is uh, it's all natural, uh, and actually leads us perfectly actually into our our can't wait question of the day. Can't wait question of the day. So, given Kempi and I are about to gorge our faces on uh, these beautiful hella sausages that our Kempi's as that our Kez has brought in, is he? We're gonna put it out there. Um, what would be what would be your death row meal? So, your la- if you only could eat one thing. Um, you know, to to cap one off. thing, yeah, one one thing. item. Well, 
No. No, no. Because when you're on dinner, you can order whatever you want. That's exactly right. I reckon we go one item. I reckon we go, because we're only eating hot dogs today. Well, I had two minimum, but now I have to take one of them out. This is very maximum prison. One item only. One item only, Tony. Okay, stick to the rules. So you get one item only. That's uh, what so you would you take? So you can have puah but not pork bones. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I, if you want to... Is it a meal or is you it can just have a one meal? item? It's one item, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Gee, this is the problem, Kempi. Doesn't he never listens to me? He never listens. <laughs> one we'll do, item. Do we do? Do we do? Um, like for the rest sticky of your date, life? Sticky or, date pudding. Do we do like for the rest of is your that, life, that, or that, just? Are you going to take that or not? I'll take sticky date pudding. Yeah, you can have that. one item. Yeah, without the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and the Any cream? ice cream? And the cream? No, and the ice, ice cream. cream. No ice cream. No cream. Oh, boring. Yeah. Well, that's, you got to pick yeah, one. No, no, here. Gonna, you get, go to Izzy first. I need to think about it now. Oh, Izzy might need to think as well. Yeah. Whatever thing, eh? Double eight, double three. Let us know your can't wait question day. Death row <laughs> meals. Joey Chestnut, he loves a hot dog and plenty of other things. But we want to know your last meal. If you had the decision to make it, what would it be? One item. Kempi, he's going sticky date, but I think he might change his tune. <laughs> Sammy Hewitt, he loves his tucker. Kez, oh, he loves his tucker. And we all know I've got a big puku, so I love mine. So let us know on double eight double three. We'll shoot off and we'll get some reaction to that soon. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Keeping you healthy this winter. Dags Mansion, just some of the iconic locations in Christchurch. Keep us tuned on 1260am down there, won't you? Fuel like the All Blacks with Healthspan Elite Ultimate Whey Protein, 750 grams from Chemist Warehouse, now $49.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, welcome back. Can't wait question of the day. The last meal, what would it be? A couple of messages coming through. Kinners! Ooh, Kinners! Hey! It's an interesting one there from Mark. I seen something the other day, lads. Kinners, a guy from Invercargo, his name's Farm for Life on Instagram. Tangaroa's name. He has Kinners on crumpets with butter and jam. Oh, what? Yum. <laughs> no. No, well, hey, if it was if it was our little scenario, it's only about one of those things. Exactly. Yeah, he, yeah, can, okay. he, can have the, he can have the crumpet. Or the kinner. <laughs> yeah. oh. All right, keep going through. Got to be slow-cooked pork belly with crackling. I use Chelsea Winters recipe. Try it, boys. Perfect every time, Jim. John, just uh, uh, do a shameless plug here, John. Go check out Rugby Pantry, my wife's. Does a nice little uh, pork belly there. So Ooh, there you go. Okay. Ooh. Uh, for me, lads, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go tack right here. Mm. And uh, my fa- one of my favourite burgers. One of my favourite burgers. I'm gonna go for a, a double whopper burger. <laughs> double whopper. Get the whoppity whop in my gob, and that'll be my last meal. A double whopper. Mm. Yeah, cheese. Okay. You can't have cheese. Oh, you just cheese. Eat one item. No, but you can. Like it's a burger, so a you tell- can. Oh, it's okay. a burger. Yeah, I'm, not coming, I'm not coming to your place. Am I only allowed a patty? Am I allowed <laughs> no, a patty? You're allowed the buns. You're allowed the buns on a patty. Take your pick. Um, Kempi, what about you? I've had a think about it. You know, you've gone pizza, pies, all that sort of stuff. And I'll, I'll Pie's thought, fine. Yeah, I know, because that's where you're going to go. Um, <laughs> but I thought about it when I was a kid, you know, like and you were really hungry and there was one thing you could afford. Mm. I And it was because you've only said one thing and when no other items, so I've gone a Sally Lunn. Yeah, that's a fantastic option. 
Kempy, a cellular. fantastic option. My one, funnily enough, I pie was on the radar. Steak, nice steak pie. Uh, I was going to go, and I've got a sweet tooth. Cinnamon scroll. So similar <laughs> to your Sally Lung. Yeah. Like you can't tell me. You can't tell me when your mum bakes cinnamon scrolls. It is cinnamon the most, scroll. The most delicious thing you'll ever eat in your life. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If Are you not, not a fan of it? If, if, if you're not going to have another foot, nah. Eat, if you're not going to have anything to eat, if you're not going to have anything to eat, you want something sweet. Yeah, I agree. One hundred percent. If this is your last meal, you, you want to. Yeah. You want to. You want to put a smile. Exactly. On your you want face. something decadent. Yeah, yeah. I th- I I've got nightmares that. of the lockdown. I've got nightmares <laughs> of lockdown when everyone was cooking cinnamon scrolls for my wife, <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't. I hey, just couldn't I eat hope, it. I hope she's not listening because it might be more of an indicative of the uh, <laughs> the recipe that was being used in the, <laughs> the actual product. Uh, Kizza, what was your one going to be? Because he was uh, talking to us in the air break. Oh, look, I was trying to decide if chicken sushi would be one item, but we decided it was as it is contained in seaweed. Yeah, yeah, so I think I'm going to go one. with chicken sushi. That's my go-to. I've always said I could eat it every day for the rest of my life. And I'll probably do uh, kill my puku. Oh, dang it. Given it's my last day, let's go with the platter, mate. Let's go 50. You know, those ones <laughs> with the kids' birthday. And, uh, and, Shameless. Uh, Shameless. And soy wasabi? Yes, yes. And ginger. Lots of ginger. ginger? I'm a massive oh, ginger fan. Soy wasabi ginger. Yeah, you got to do it all in one uh, quick sentence. Are you allowed to eat ginger? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, the rules change all the time with Sammy. <laughs> If it's all on the if it's all on the top, ginger can't eat ginger. Oh yeah, you can't because it's, it's not cannibalism. <laughs> Chuck it in this chicken sushi. Why not? Let's switch it up. Chicken and ginger sushi. <laughs> oh crack up! Keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three. Here's a couple before we shoot off. Let's power pie. Ooh, but it better be one, a big one if Sammy's been hungus and only letting us have one item. At least I don't have to die for it. And Cream Power too. another edition of Kai Chat with Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and another Cooking with the Cuzzy special. Race 4, number 13, Ash Burden today from Brett. Love that one from you, Brett. And morning, boys. Four dozen bluff oysters, three dozen raw, one dozen battered, cooked from PJ. You like oysters, Sammy? Love oysters, man. Absolutely love them. What are you, what are you pointing at me for, Kez? Oh, there's, there's quite a lot of items listed there, mate. It's true. He's got quite <laughs> the, got quite, yeah. got quite the Sorry, shopping PJ. PJ. You can have the better. I'll give you the better. Just the better. <laughs> and you only allow one dozen. Can't have seven dozen. Oh, yeah, four dozen. Come at, on, You're PJ. running out of business, PJ. Gee, there'll be none left for the rest oh, of us. Lo- love it. Keep them coming through on double eight, double three. We'll just shoot off with uh, headlines, and we'll come back and uh, he's, we'll listen to Aroha right now. Here she is with Aroha for the news for Kibara. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way every day goes. Every time we've no control. If the sky is pink and white. If the ground is black and yellow. It's the same way you showed me. 25 minutes away from uh, seven. Keep your texts coming in here on double eight double three. Uh, one that's coming from no name but says full barbecue tray with slaw mac and cheese from Franklin's in Texas. Ray, the best barbecue in the Unlucky. world. It's a lot of items there. And so I've, I've consulted with Kez and we've decided we're going to take the spicy sauce out of the slaw and that's all you're getting. you got cabbage. Um, yeah, you get, you get the cabbage. Uh, boys, a couple, of, a couple of quick headlines for you. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Um... I'll sit with Joey Chestnut uh, while we're here. Actually, I'll tell you a quick story about oysters if I can. Um, I'm a massive mm. oyster fan and um, went to a uh, family wedding, sort of cousin, so it was, you know, uh, wasn't quite immediate. And um, big, big 
platter, full big platter of oysters sitting on the, the, the buffet table, and I just beelined straight in there, loaded up the plate, you know, a dozen, because, you know, they're not cheap, and a dozen, and I'm just in there, and I just get back to the table, and I'm just start throwing them back. And I'm probably four or five in, and I realise, man, there's like a really nasty aftertaste. They're really, like, creamy. They're not like the crisp bluff oysters. Anyway, I find out that they're literally the, the like, you know, dollar um, 10 pack from the pack <laughs> and save. Display yeah, the display oysters <laughs> that just are, are horrendous probably come out of you know, Uncle Jim's backyard. He just pulls up the tray and throws them on a plate. Um, and by, by the time I sort of realised that they, they weren't the oysters that I love, I had eaten like 10 or 11 or 12. My stomach, like like half an hour later, was just terrible. And the, the problem was it was a wedding on on like their sort of property, and so they had the portaloos set up. And I was like, oh, no. I, was, I was like, look, it's either I I live with this for the next like three hours, dancing, etc., or I I potentially out of order one of the uh, one of the portaloos. Uh, but I just put up with it, boys. I just I just put up with it. I put up. No, with, you did I it. Did, no, I did. Don't I, I seriously. The truth. No, I seriously did. I mean, I, I don't like portaloos at the best of times, but I uh, yeah, I just had to. The, the cramps, man. The cramps in my stomach. I've never it's oh. never been that painful before in my life. It was spray yeah. and wipe away. Yeah, it's just a lesson learned there that you know don't don't beeline for the oysters at a wedding. That's a red flag right there if they've got a big tray of them and they're not particularly wealthy. Um, oh, those were your Bunnings headlines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was your Bunnings headline. No, just quickly, Joey Chestnut, boys. I put it in context for you. So, sixty-two hot dogs, right? Um, yep, got another title, his sixteenth title. Uh, sixty-two in ten minutes. Eighteen. Get this. 18,000 calories he consumed in 10 minutes. Now, to put that into uh, perspective for Tony Kemp, that's about a week's worth of your daily calorie intake. A week oh, in 10 wow. minutes. He did that in 10 minutes. Um, you recommend a daily intake of... Uh, Do you think of, he enjoys his food? That's a great question. Yeah, does he just... does he, Is he just practicing all the time? <laughs> or does he actually... <laughs> he like, does he get on an aftermath. Yeah, do you think yeah, he just walks in a pizza probably, shop yeah. and he, I'll have 10 pizzas? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and, and just what, eats them and does what? What is it? Gee, I like, tell you, what, enjoy it. He, the portal wouldn't be big enough for Joey Chestnut. Um, <laughs> the, the, your, da- your daily intake of salt, right? Two thousand three hundred milligrams, which isn't a lot. He sunk fifty thousand with those hot dogs yesterday. Oh wow! Uh, sugar. Wow. Um, daily recommended intake of sugar is twenty four grams. He had one hundred and twenty five, and the fat. He consumed hundred, uh, sorry, one thousand two hundred grams of fat, which is, ama- is which is amazing. And if you're not a massive hot dog eater, seventy Big Macs is the equivalent of seventy Big Macs, what? Big Macs in ten minutes. Seventy Big Macs in ten minutes, in terms of calories and everything. How that, about that? That's a, oh, that's an awesome effort. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he's a freak of a human. I've done being. five Big Macs for anyone, and you wonder why has this guy never been beaten? Like, surely there's someone <laughs> out there. The guy no is. No one can eat sixty-two hot dogs. Nah. In, no. a, in 10 minutes? Yeah, I've got to work out the math on how many that is. I think it's something like one every 10 seconds or something. It's crazy. Or, some, or just over 10 seconds. Um, a couple other records floating around, lads. So yesterday was the hottest ever day recorded on Earth. I don't know if that concerns you or amazes in you. In Auckland? Uh, no, like, wow. so <laughs> or the average, the world average was 17.18 degrees, which is the hottest ever recorded uh, since they started clicking no the data in 1979. There's no global warming. Oh, let's not go down that road, Tony Kemp. Jeepies. <laughs> Gosh, oh, we're not going down that road at 6.39 on a Thursday morning. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, you see his brother qualified for the um, for the Open Championship, is he? So is that Mitch, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, Alex Fitzpatrick? Alex Fitzpatrick, 24-year-old, four years younger than his brother, um, and he's mm. going to be joining him on the, uh, on the, at Royal Liverpool for the, uh, 
for the Open, which is fantastic. I've seen that. Did you see that shot out of the bunker? Yeah, yeah. So he had a, he had a shot out of the bunker on his knees and hold it to qualify for for the Open. Awesome. How good. Have awesome you seen, family uh, uh, news for them. Have you just on this? Just by the by, have you seen Matt Fitzpatrick's girlfriend? Uh, yeah, like a twenty out of ten. I was just going to say. Um, I think it's fair to say he's two. He's a two. I was going to say. I was just going to say. Uh, it's, fair, it's fair to say if he wasn't a golfer, his life would look very different. <laughs> if he, if he was, wasn't a golfer, he'd be a cricketer. He'd be Johnny Besto outside his crease every day. Yeah, that's anyway. true. Uh, anyway, boys, there's some uh, headlines. Got plenty more for you coming up at uh, seven thirty. But those are your headlines uh, for traders and builders. Power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Welcome back. Kez's last meal is sausages. Oh, sausage fingers, Kez. 0800 <laughs> to take on oh, me, the quiz master, the is master. Give us a call now, 0800 Your chance at a Rimuera Golf Club Play Bay voucher worth $120. Let's go. Let me begin Get on your phones Dial me for a win I won't give you answers No matter what you ask me Try and play the quiz Things won't get nasty Get up, stand up Come and throw your hands up If you got the feeling Get the phones lines ringing Came to get paid We came to get paid So get on your phones And dial now Call now 0800 Call now 150 Call now 811 Call now Call now And get paid Hey, 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 hey all right, let's rip straight into it. Head to Tolaga Bay. Ed, good morning. Morning, bro. How you doing, morning, Ed? Good, thanks, bro. All good. Here we go. Question number one. How many teams actually play in the Six Nations? What do you mean by that? Isn't there six? <laughs> <laughs> Six. Ah, hey, you're on this morning, Ed. You are on. That is six. <laughs> Good listening. Good listening. Question number two. Who currently sits atop of the NRL ladder? Panthers is correct. Question number three. Who is the All Blacks' first opponent at Rugby World Cup this year? Wow. Ooh, on a nice, Ed, nice, Ed, all around it. They're pretty easy to start. Here we go. This is where it gets difficult. Who is the number one seed on the men's side at Wimbledon this year? Carlos. <laughs> Carlos Alcalés. Four far, four far. Can he do five? Is he gonna go all the way? To get that Rimmer Play Bay Golf Voucher, 120 bucks. Oh, Here we go. I can't play golf. Though. I've seen you at that Rimmer Golf Club, mate. You hit it not too bad. Yeah. Here we go. Question number five. Where is this year's Women's US Golf Open? Oh, man. Um. Oh, no, it's not, uh, I'm not getting that. I'm not getting um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ed. See you later, brother. Good effort. Good effort for a Thursday morning. Brenton from Auckland, your chance. Hey. Hey, yes. I'm pretty sure, is he? Hey, boys. I'm pretty sure it's Pebble Beach in California, brother. 
Ah, Pebble Beach is correct. First time ever. The US Golf Open has been played at Pebble Beach. The great course. Windy, foggy, many conditions that'll be at uh, at the fold for these ladies. Looking forward to see what Lydia Coe can do. Brother, Brenton, a voucher. Rumour of Golf mate. Club coming your way. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. There you Jeez. go. That was Quizzy Dag. He did all the hard work, didn't he? Got through the first <laughs> four and blew it on the last hurdle. <laughs> I know. I felt for Ed. I felt for Ed. He worked hard, man. Got there. Carlos Alcaraz, it was a good effort from him to, to get there. Most people will probably go joke of it. Yeah, 100%. That was a bit of a trick question as well as the Six Nations, which uh, you always What like. about your question number one? Yeah, I love that one, eh? How many that was good. The, the, other one, the other one that's good to pull out is um, is the Olympic rings. You say uh, everyone knows the, the iconic Olympic logo. Um, you know the f the five coloured rings, but how many rings are there actually? <laughs> and people people started like, oh, is there a sixth, is there a sixth one in there? Is there I seen a, a good one yesterday. Look, this, this isn't about the rings. I saw a good one yesterday of an apprentice um, a welder, and he had a bag behind a guy who was welding, and the guy said to catch the sparks because they use them later. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, he had a big he had a big paper bag, mate, and all these sparks were flying into it. Oh, oh it's just as good as the bucket of steam. Oh, there's, there's oh. yeah, so many good like uh, pranks that um, tradies play on their apprentices. Eh, like those videos. Oh, they're gold. I've had one. I've had a couple when I was working at uh, Rembrandt's in the Hawks Bay, and I was working in the picture framing department. I was cutting up all the all the bits of wood for picture frames, and man, one of the, they used to get me all the time. Gave me hot lollies that was like covered in, oh, I think it was like diesel. Man, it was the worst lolly I've ever taste, tasted. <laughs> and then there was one he was, and I fell for this. <laughs> Can you go and get me a left-handed screwdriver? <laughs> 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 you know, colourful as anything. I was yeah. like, yeah, sure. Walk down. Can I get a left-handed screwdriver? This guy stares at me and laughs. And I'm like, oh. Oh, man. Uh, These ones with like weights and everything. Anyway, let us know, double eight, double three, if you've been tricked on the apprentice on the work side. Or, or you've got some great one-liners like Kimpy with the bag catching all the sparks so we can save them for later. Oh, crack up. We're going to go away and we'll come back with Kimpy Love Racing coming up. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You can listen to the cricket tonight on SENZ, so make sure you tune in as the Ashes, the third test starts up there in Headingley, my old home ground. Call us anytime, 0800 150 811. Find a thoroughbred And the curtain comes down on Group 1 winner's career. Andrew Forsman's successful Cambridge stable has bid farewell to True Enough, who raced with distinction up to the highest level. Time has been called on the career of the nine-year-old son of Nom de Joux, who with a combination age and difficulty placing the gelding at his best advantage, resulting in his retirement. True Enough was a versatile performer who won nine races including the Group 1 Zabil Classic 2,000 metres and placed on a further 12 occasions to retire as a winner of more than $590,000. Andrew Forsman this weekend has a big weekend uh, both here and overseas. Uh, he'll be keeping an eye on both the sides of the Tasman on Saturday 
and uh, he's got horses here. Turn the Ace, the Finster and Russian Satire, who will all run at Tarapa. Turn the Ace holds a nomination for the Group 3 Winning Edge Presentations Winter Cup, and I only bring that up because our boys headed down to that jam. Just ask me, his immediate future will be decided after the weekend, however, seeing how well he goes this weekend. It's an op- option, that's for sure, but... Um, if he was able to win on Saturday, we could look at the Upanaki Cup too, which is a listed 1,400 down at Pukekota Park in New Plymouth as a leader. But he's still yet to prove himself in open class. Meanwhile, in Australia, Forsman has St. Bathans finished, finishing fifth following a break over 1,400 at Caulfield and returned there for the BM84 Handicap 1,700 metres on Saturday. So we know Andrew Forsman keeping an eye out. He says he thinks he will be competitive, although 1,700 metres is a niggly distance second up, and he will improve and third up, he will be spot on. So that's one to keep an eye on. Sam Bathins uh, in Australia. We go down to Ashburton today. There's a couple. Uh, Uncle Brett's already tipped one out here in race. I think it is number four. It is horse number 13, Watch Out. Um, it's a short favourite. Uh, it's, it's raced and won its last two races. I actually like a multi today in Ashburton. I think race one, uh, number one, she Sea uh, Shepherd uh, for Michael Pittman. I think that's a, a decent chance. It's paying, it's open at 420. It's now into three bucks. Uh, I'd also have a look at race number four. I like a horse in there called Louis Louis. Uh, that's that's coming as well. These are all place bets. I have a look at that race number four. Uh, race number seven, Robbie Burns is another that uh, coming um, quite well. And finally, just that one that uh, Uncle Brett tipped out there was uh, race. That was number four. Uh, race number one, race number seven, and Watch race out. number eight. Robbie, Robbie Byrne, sorry, that was the one. So uh, have a look at that. Those are those four for our multi. Robbie Burns, Louie Louie into Watch Out and Sea Shepherd. That is your Love Racing update. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Uh, that's us for this morning. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota, who's shaping and building New Zealand. For year-round allergies and hay fever, try to Mr. Nasal Spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. to finish the test match. Josh Tung, who did a lot right at number 10, knocked over for 19. England bowled out for 327. Australia have held their nerve.
Kowalski back in the pocket has the chance to drop the goal. Back it comes to Stransky. Up goes the kick. Up goes the Rawls. Stransky has kept his head. And with two minutes gone in the second period of extra time, South Africa's dream is alive once more. Yes, welcome back, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 7 o'clock. And remember, the Ashes live tonight on SCNZ from 9 o'clock. Game 3, match 3, England, can they get back from nowhere? 2-0 down, a lot of disruptions. Ollie Pope, he's out. You know how important he is for that squad, so expecting some changes there in Australia. Full of confidence, Jeremy Coney will join us at 7.40 this morning to talk all things Ashes. Double eight, double three, plenty of messages coming through in regards to some messages regarding apprentices. Here we go, here's a couple for you lads. Morning boys, couple of good ones I've heard of. Tartan paint, a long wait, the bubble for spirit level, a left-handed hammer. That is for Jess Lance. Oh, some goodies coming there. Morning, boys. Have you taken the wee out of your hammer, then throw it off the roof yelling, wee? <laughs> <laughs> and this is the best one. I couldn't stop laughing with this one. One of the boys got sent for fallopian tubes. He asked one of the guys who pointed him in the direction of a female mechanic, but she said she was using hers and he couldn't have them. That is from <laughs> Richard. That's great. That is great. <laughs> oh, man. Some crack out ones coming through. But well, we're going to be talking rugby soon. Morning, boys. Check out the weight of the South African team, lighter than McKenzie. And that yeah. is reg- in regards. To the young man, Marnie Lebok. And we got Joel Stransky coming up. And we're going to be talking to Joel about the Springboks team. I've seen a lot of their experienced sides uh, players over to New Zealand. Apparently landed already over here, Sammy Hewitt. And Joel Stransky will be talking about this ex- exciting side. Well, the unknown side, isn't it? When they're not playing over here, Sammy and Kempe, it's hard to really know what they've got to offer mm. when you miss them. That's that's probably a big question for Joel is uh yeah what uh what what can we expect because it, it is there's just we're missing I think especially the physicality Kempe, of of super rugby, of super rugby. um yeah you, of you the miss, championship yeah. yeah you miss what the uh, South African teams bring and it's 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 scary thinking about having to play them uh at the World Cup which I think if the draws work out okay we and say the All Blacks go far we meet them in the final I think that's how it works. Yeah, and and you know that they're going to be there or thereabouts, don't you? The South Africans, like they always, uh, they always get ready for the World Cup. I'd, look, I'd, I think missing that physicality. I think uh, Shag said that to us, didn't he? Is he about not having yeah. South Africa in the in the championship is uh, is a big loss because you don't get a, a chance to really test yourselves. And um, you're dead right. A lot. We haven't seen them for a couple of years, so you don't really know what they what they've got when they come down here. And uh, I do know one thing when South Africa play in New Zealand that it's one of the test matches to watch because of the because of the physical game that they bring here. The big the big South African boys. Uh, I've always wondered why they really haven't made it crack a rugby league because man, they're built for it. Mm, they'll go extremely good in the game of rugby league. Do, for they, sure. have a, do they have a national big, team, South Africa? In rugby league, um, I'm not sure. They, Kempe would they, know, probably know. Yeah, they they do, but it's you know they they're not really 
you know, rugby's their biggest game over there. They've had some they've had some pretty good rugby league players um, that played up in the English competition come out of South Africa. One one that played at Doncaster uh, called Jamie Bloom was a fullback, mate. I, told, I think I've told that story. He just he couldn't couldn't tackle him. Um, he was he was quite quite well built and pretty pretty strong with a carry of the football. Um, but yeah, no, they don't they don't have one of prominence. But you know, when you look at their their players and their depth in rugby. Um, and of course, the physicality of the game, which is really the the part that gets me, is that you'd think that they would actually thrive in a game of rugby league. But yeah, rugby union, the way they play it, they play it pretty much the similar similar way that they play rugby league. Anyway, they really put their heads in places that they just people don't like putting them. Well, let's ask the man himself, Joel Stransky. Let's head to South Africa and chat to the man that broke our hearts in 1995. I brought it up plenty when I was travelling. With- Travelling with him through South Korea. Joel Stransky, how you doing? Easy, you biscuit. How are you, my friend? Are you good? <laughs> I'm good, Joel. I'm good. Good to hear your voice, my friend. Hey, Kempe's on. Uh, Tony Kempe's a former leaguey. He was asking the question, yeah. South Africa, they would go extremely well at league. Big bodies can manoeuvre. Do they have a South African uh, league side? And how, how would they go? How did they go? So a few years ago, someone tried to get a, a rugby league team going and they had, I think they had a few trials and they maybe had like one game or something. And then they gave up because I think, quite honestly, the culture of rugby union is just too strong here. And you know what we're like, South Africans, we're a little staid in our way. You know, we don't we don't like to change lanes too easily and adopt something new like that and break with tradition. So it didn't take off here, no, and unfortunately not. Well, speaking of changes, plenty ringing through the South African side to take on the Wallabies. New and tried players, obviously a bit of experience there. You've got Arense, you've got Arm, you've got Willie LaRue at the back. You've got Dwayne Van Moulin captaining with Peter yeah. Steph, the, poor, the toy, right next to him. But I want to ask you about Marnie Leboc, the young man, the small yeah. man. What can we expect from him? Well, he's a complete player. I, th- I mean, there's still some questions around his big game temperament. You know, he made made a couple of little mistakes in the in the URC final that were costly and it's not probably not the first time. So the challenge for him is going to be to have a game where he does, you know, all the things that he's really good at, that he's brilliant at, without bringing in one or two of those costly errors. And he's capable of it. You know, he's a hugely talented guy. There's a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in him. And you know what it's like as a player when the coach is, uh, f- gives you that, that role and shows his confidence, you, you, f- you feel a lot easier. We all were confidence players. Every player's a confidence player. And, and no doubt he'll thrive in that environment. But I guess the big question to you, to your point is, you know, it's a team with a whole lot of changes with a different second row. It's um, We've got a late change in the front row. Is he going to get the ball and is he going to get the space needed to do the magic? We're talking about it down here, Joel, with the, with a whole lot of changes. But the the big change for us is that we haven't seen the South Africans play for a, a couple of years, not being in the championship down here. Do do you guys feel the same way when you come when you come down um, to the Southern Hemisphere that you've you've missed that, or are you guys looking to surprise both uh, the Australians and the All Blacks? No, I think I, th- I think our guys miss it as well, and and I think there's um, there's there's a view that we, we we at times are not tested against. The, the Southern Hemisphere opposition that we spend all our time playing in, in the Northern Hemisphere now where it's a little different, it's a little slower, it's, and the conditions play a major role in that, and, and we miss the, the Southern Hemisphere competition. But there's no doubt that I think the competition misses us maybe even more. I think 
the All Blacks and and the New Zealand rugby uh, or, or Super Rugby teams, I think they maybe you know lack that real physical, brutal confrontation that that they got when they played against the South African teams. I think I think we miss it. I think us as spectators, we probably miss it a little bit more than the players. Their travel's a bit easier. It's maybe not as tough. Mm. Um, but I think for us as spectators, we we just loved watching those those big derby games and those. The South African New, New Zealand ultimate challenges. We miss it, Joel. We absolutely miss South Africa being a part of Super Rugby. Now we're trying to find ways how we can innovate and have a competitive competition. You are sorely missed, my friend. When you look at the squad and the identity of South Africa, we know you're set piece strong, you carry hard, you're yeah. direct with your play. When you look at this squad, is there going to be a different approach in the way that South Africa will play? How will this team instill their identity uh, on Saturday? Oh no, they'll they'll just be exactly what what we're known for. They'll carry on where the, you know the last team left off. It's it's in our DNA. It's the way we go about things. Mm. Um, it's in Rusty Rasmus and Jock Nienaber's DNA. You know that that's their plan. They might vary it a little bit. They might you know counter attack a little bit from the back. Vili Leroux, we know our you know what a what a good playmaker he is. And um, Damien Willems is on the bench. I think you might find at times we we play a little a little bit more from the back if it's on. But but we but our team will never move away from its DNA. We will be big and strong at scrum time. We'll maul, and our maul's actually not been that good of late. But we'll maul. We'll be hard and physical. The defence will rush and take the space and try and smash guys back, particularly with Andre Estes in there. And, and we'll stick to what we do really well. It's what we're good at. And actually, to be honest, yeah. there's no point moving away from it because we're probably not good at playing any other type of game. Joel, it's uh, it's Sammy here, mate. Uh, a World Cup year for the Springboks. What what does that sort of look like? I know over here in New Zealand with the All Blacks, uh, there's a lot of question marks over whether or not we should be fielding our best team every single game as we build up towards the World Cup versus you know trying to find a couple of hidden gems before we head over to France. What what's the Springboks' attitude? Do you think uh, in these sort of next couple of games, rugby championship wise, before leading up to the World Cup? So, Sammy, I, I think there's the same sentiment here. It's maybe the at times the, the little conservative nature of South Africans where we say, you know, if we field our best team, we can, we can, we can, the chances of an injury are big. What are we going to do if we lose an Ivan Etzebeth? Or like right now, we lose a Sia Colisi or a Lucanio Am or Andre Pollard. You know, how do we replace those guys? Because I think they're irreplaceable. You know, you're going to get someone who's good, but you're not going to get the real backbone of the team if we lose one of our, uh, our real key players. But the crux is th- there's a squad of 33 players from South Africa that will go to Rugby World Cup. There's still some places available. There's still opportunity for some guys to work their way into that squad, as I'm sure it's the same in New Zealand, to your point. Um, the players have got a, a chance now in the next few weeks to to play in the Rugby Championship, to play a couple of the warm-up games, to then you know put their hands up, to not just put their hands up to get in the squad and go to the World Cup, but to put their hands up and make sure their place in the starting lineup for the big games is is secured. And there are one or two places available. You know, Sia might not be ready. If he is ready, it's going to be, you know, awfully close to D-Day. Um, someone else has got to come up and step up and, you know, put their hand up, whether as a leader, a captain or a player. And there's a few positions where it's, it's like that. I think the balance is important now that you give guys a run, you give everyone an opportunity but what you don't want to do is go into this period and lose a whole lot of games and watch the confidence 
erode from your team a couple months out from the Rugby World Cup. Mm, and, and talking about that confidence, obviously uh, we, we learnt that a lot of um, a lot of those big name players that aren't playing this weekend have come over to New Zealand early uh, for, for the game next weekend, obviously putting a big uh, priority on that. How I guess important for not only um, the Springboks, as, as the team, but, but spectators as well, how important is it that you do, say, beat a team like the All Blacks before a World Cup, just to give you that extra boost heading in, or, or is, it, you know, is it not really about that for you? No, I think it is about that. I, I think if if, if uh, the coaching staff have sent 12 players over, which I'm led to believe it's 12 players over already, and they want those guys all acclimatised and they've got a few that will fly over and hopefully get over the jet lag quite quickly and slot in nicely, um, obviously there's a massive stress on that. And, and you can only think it's about trying to retain that confidence, trying to be there. I don't think the be-all and the end-all is actually winning. Um, you know, the be-all and the end-all is going to be winning at the Rugby World Cup. And the reality for both New Zealand and South Africa, we are going to have the mightiest of quarterfinals, irrespective of who we play. The quarterfinal weekend will be absolutely a monster. And and when you get there, you need to deliver. But but right now, you don't want to be, you know, a little off the pace. You, you I think if you lose by a few narrow points away from home, you can probably, you know, find a way to justify it and one or two bad decisions and the travel and we'll, you know, we'll win in France. But but you go and get smoked over in New Zealand now, it would be a proper confidence, to be, you know, it mm. wouldn't just ebb away, it would flow away in piles. So, so I think mm. that's the thinking. It's about giving players opportunity. It's about, you know, hopefully winning, but most importantly, keeping the confidence, building, growing and preparing for that eventual day come quarterfinal weekend. Mm. It's crazy to think that two of the best sides in the world are going to be knocked out come quarterfinals. It makes for a juicy old it's matchup. Madness. It's madness. <laughs> How do you approach that, Joel? Like, do you who who is better suited for who? Like, you never want to throw a game, <laughs> but you know, is there going to be potential to that they might be suited for for a certain opponent? Well, I mean, I think if you want to win the Rugby World Cup, you've got to you've got to beat all the big sides and all, all the best sides mm. and. You got to beat the team that's put in front of you. I don't think, I don't think there's a rugby team in the world that would throw a game to, to maybe mm. play against I don't know France instead of the All Blacks or the All Blacks instead of France. I think you got to just you know where the chips lies, you know who you play, and on the day you got, you got to make sure you're the better side. That's all it is, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be so tough. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good, Joel. Hey, uh, there's plenty of talk down here about Eddie Jones coming back to Australia. What what's the talk been like, and and what's he been bringing? He's been bringing any heat uh, for you guys? No, no, no heat at all. I think um, he's been really quiet since they've they've got over here. I, I think oh. the sentiment here is a little bit. Yeah, it's quite surprising, actually, isn't it? Eddie's, Eddie's uh, <laughs> uh, below the radar for once. But, but, but what I think has been, the, you know, the concern for, for us is that if you think about that quarterfinal that New Zealand and South Africa are going to have irrespective again of who we play, England and Australia on the other side of the pool are going to quite possibly have an easier quarterfinal. Mm. They're going to have to get up for a semifinal and then they're going to be in the final. And you know what happens? Anyone can win the final. So, so the the real concern for us is not is absolutely not what happens this weekend. It's it's how Australia deliver at the Rugby World Cup on semi final weekend when everything's at stake, and they've not been bashed and beaten by Scotland, Ireland, France, or New Zealand. You know, so so our concern is again more a little bit down the line when they need to pick it up. Australia are very capable of doing so.
I'm wary of them. Joel, I'm wary of Eddie. If he's quiet, there's something simmering away in the background. He's obviously picked a nice... (laughs) Something's brewing. (laughs) Hey, uh, just quickly before we let you go, mate, predictions for this weekend? So I think think it's going to be awfully close. The Springboks are unbeaten at Loftus. When I first saw that team picked, I was a little concerned. Um, but the front row is still a good front row. Jean Clayne is a good second row. We know how good Marvin Ori is. Mm. We'll miss here, Khaleesi, but I think it's still quite a good side. And I'd fancy us at altitude, um, at home at a venue where we haven't lost to Australia. I'd fancy us to win it by, by maybe four or five points, but but not certainly not uh, not an easy game. I'm looking forward to it. The Rugby Championship is back, and it can't come sooner enough heading into the World Cup later on in a couple of weeks' time, mate. We appreciate your time, Joel. Have you been back to South Korea since? Easy, I haven't. I mean, what a great time we had there. What, a, what an amazing country it was. Uh, we should plan another trip, actually. We should get on our horses and get over there, take the boys with and do a hey, He's got a horse there. now, Joel. I'm sure he has. He can't walk. Those legs are buggered. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, a le- uh, maybe a few less nights out, eh? Might suit us better. Yeah, exactly. A little bit quite. It's a bit of hot chocolate in my lane. It's quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, Joel. Thank you so much for your time, my friend, and good to hear your voice. All the best Thank this weekend. Thank you, guys. Take care. Look after yourselves. We'll chat soon, eh? There he is. Joel Stransky, Sammy. Oof. Great get, buddy. Yeah, no, he's a great man, Joel, and such a such a lovely bloke as well. Um, does some great work uh, analysis-wise over in uh, South Africa. I was actually interested as well, uh, Z, all of his talk of the World Cup and those quarterfinals. Um, who, oh. who, who, who are the best? Like, I know France, you know, favourites and, and uh, number one side in the world and that, but genuinely asking some of these analysts, who are your top three teams right now in world rugby? Like, just list the top three going into oh. the World Cup. France, Ireland, and the All Blacks. Okay, there you go. So you throw the All Blacks in your top three. Hundred percent. You know, I throw them in the top top, top three because Steve Hansen said we're a chance. He'd know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd go France, Ireland, South Africa, or All Blacks Mm. at the moment. I think that's that's kind. All Blacks, South Africa are in the same kind of. Dynamics at the moment, so yeah. France, Ireland. The one thing that just doesn't get me over France and Ireland is they haven't... Correct. Fr- France have been there at a World Cup final, but Ireland haven't made it past the quarters. Yeah, it's the mental. So I just, yeah, I've got a little bit of apprehension there. But anyway, it's uh, it's a good chat to have. Two of the best sides in the world could be knocked out, will be knocked out in the quarterfinals. Ooh, makes for a juicy World Cup. Loved it. Joel Stransky, if you missed that, head over to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Get our podcast. You can get all the podcasts from this week. We've had some champions that have joined us on the, uh, on the breakfast show. Coming up, we've got Jeremy Coney and after eight, Daniel Hillier. But before then, we're going to get over and get some voicemails for our Warriors. The Waz! They are placing the Eels this weekend, and we're going to hear from some of you fans, you fantastic fans that show your support. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, keeping us healthy and fit. She's in hay fever. Tried to miss a nasal spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ.
29 minutes past seven. Uh, we're going to go to the Warriors voicemail here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. I did see a comment, lads, on the Warriors post, uh, one of the Warriors posts that said, uh, just send Ronald Volkman to uh, be with Kayla for the birth. The game's more important. Let Sean play. <laughs> don't know if that's quite was how it, it was signed off Cam George. Yeah, don't know if that's quite how it works. But uh, look, we are on the hunt for the uh, for the biggest Warriors fan, the one New Zealand Warriors fan. And uh, all you got to do is call 0800-37-GO-WARRIORS, leave a voicemail telling us why you're the big fan, and you could win an epic prize pack. You're the biggest fan. And it's so easy to do. I'm even wearing my Warriors shirt underneath this, boys. But uh, You need look, to wash it. All you have to do is ring 0800-37-GO-WARRIORS and uh, leave us a voicemail like uh, this individual here. Always loved you, Warriors, since 95. Been there with the highs and lows, makes me feel alive. Love the way you play the game, caution to the wind. Always there to entertain, draw or lose or win. You've had lots of superstars. Junior mean a steady stream. Everyone gave us all for the mighty team. Well, how about that? That was fantastic. Little ode, little ode well to the done, Warriors. Izzy. That's a great poem. Yeah, but you put that, and your voice. The way you put that voice on is fantastic. Or if you if you want to do something a little bit more uh, energetic, and go for something like this. Oh my God, I love the Warriors. It's in. Here, Love it. That sounds like a winner to me. How easy is that, boys? Just 0800 go Warriors and just leave it. It only has to be 10, 15, 20 oh. seconds and uh, you go straight into the draw. Big prize pack. Could be is coming it, your Mark, way. Is it Mark that comes down from Kitty Kitty every weekend? Yeah, there was. Son? Yep, so the, we're yeah. sitting there, Izzy, on, on uh, Friday night. Um, and I get there nice and early because I like watching the first game and I'm sitting up in the grandstand and this, this guy just walks up the, the top of the grandstand and he goes, oh, hi, I'm, I'm uh, Mark and we've met before, you know, I used to live down in Nelson and I met you when you came down there and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that long time ago. He's like, I come down every game, every home game with my son from Kitty Kitty. They drive, they drive down and drive back awesome. the same day. Yeah, and uh, hey, you would have thought that like this was the one you'd watch at home because the weather was so bad. But he was just saying, you know, like my son, my boy loves it. We love it. Um, just the the whole atmosphere. Uh, you know, that's a type of that's a type of support. We want to hear those stories if you're yeah. if you're one of uh, New Zealand Warriors' biggest fans. That's a story that we want to hear. Beautiful, Sammy. I'm going to get your voicemail after the headlines, my friend, because you are a passionate caller live here on SNZ with Kempe throughout all the commentary. I want to hear what you have to say about your wires. You're wearing a jersey, and we're a couple of days out from the game. Um, I don't think there is a bigger supporter than Sammy Hewitt. If you are, 0800 go Warriors and leave your voicemail. <laughs> oh, look at it. Oh, it's tight. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You've been working out, old son. How good? Keep it up. <laughs> we'll shut off. We'll come back. Puku out. <laughs> we'll too come man, back with Sammy Hewitt and some headlines. <laughs> but before then, here's Aroha with the news. Fukubaita together. We're shaping and building New Zealand. Twenty-six minutes to eight here on SNZ as you can be for breakfast. Uh, that song holds some very special significance to uh, a one Kieran Bingham. Uh, is he in Kempi? I don't know if you know why. He's he's, run, he's quickly running out of the studio now. It's the song that he uh, learnt to whistle to. He uh, <laughs> tried to. Tried, hey? tried to. Yeah. <laughs> 
Can you give That's us? That's not me, by the way. <laughs> Just before that, that was shocking, Tony Gibbs. <laughs> was that you, Gibby? That's you. It's like Mike. It's like a Coral's whistle. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just, <laughs> Just pair that up with your guitar playing, and away you go. <laughs> do you remember that when you taught the whistle, and you and you instead of blowing out, you would blow, uh, you would suck it in. That's the, that was the whistle. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You do the old farm whistle. Oh it's not that not that good into a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, no, some headlines as well. And I was just talking to Kempi there. Uh, I was uh, I was actually half tempted to give an off the back fence today myself. Is he given that uh, the family went to Cirque du Soleil last night without me? Didn't hey? even get the invite. And, what? Uh, and appa- no, but apparently I had been asked, What's and going I on said no. What's and going I on said no, which is BS. I love Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> so I would have been there with bells on. What? Why? You would have loved it. Yeah, I would have loved it. I went to that. Yeah. It was good. Was it, did you go to the one on ice? Yeah, went to London Christchurch ah, on ice. Roll up sca- uh, there, ice skating, like these guys doing flips. It's such a good watch. Mate, I know, you need to sort that out. Oh, no, well, no, there'll be words. <laughs> there'll be words uh, probably on the other end, though. Um, time for some quick headlines, boys, uh, to Kennards. Uh, they do make trade EDT. Ken Oath, they do. Um, I'm going to keep a Wimbledon theme here for the uh, for the 7.30 headlines. Andy Murray. Uh, now, this is a name that you boys probably uh, aren't familiar with. It's uh, Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe. Uh, that is an Iranian-British dual citizen who was detained in Iran uh, in 2016 as part of a long-running dispute between Britain and Iran. She was sentenced to five years in prison. In December, uh, she told Andy Murray that she watched his 2016 Wimbledon final from her prison cell in Iran. So when Andy bumped into her uh, yesterday or the day before, he invited her to watch his match in the Royal Box and thought, how about, you know, the story of going from watching me play in prison to watching me play with the Royals in the Royal Box. I just think that's an awesome story. And good on Andy Murray for, uh, for, for pulling her up into the, into the, the, the highest echelons of the Wimbledon area. Um, to something not so savoury, and uh, the Wimbledon organisers um, have been begging, I've got here begging, that's the headline, couples to stop using the quiet rooms that are designated for the players, uh, you know, to meditate and to pray if they're religious or whatever. Stop using the uh, the quiet rooms for salacious activities, which is supposedly no. what's been going on. There wouldn't be that carry on at oh, Wimbledon, yeah, there surely. Is, mate. That's that, joking aside. Um, apparently, uh, there's been eyewitnesses that have seen multiple couples going into the rooms together, locking the doors and being in there for hours with the uh, engaged. I got no clicker. problem with you. You'd be in there for seconds. Okay, Tony. <laughs> It was a little bit harsh. Anyway. Oh, Kimpy. Kimpy, you two make up. Carry on, Sammy. That's unforgivable at this stage. Um, all right, and to finish on a positive note, um, the prices at Wimbledon. Uh, now, you boys will know the Masters and uh, the apparel shop at the Masters, which apparently has a three, is it like a three-hour wait? So you have to wait outside, and they only let you know 50 people in at a time, and it just takes all day to get in there. Pretty similar at Wimbledon, actually. Uh, sorry, yeah, at Wimbledon, where uh, you know, the shop is full with uh, with the paraphernalia. Um, first thing, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sort of going what, for... But, but, what is it? So I've never, ever seen a branded Wimbledon yeah, well, shirt. Or what, like, what is yeah, it? Two what, rackets crossing each other? Yeah, it's two. Yeah, it is, it's exactly what it is. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's literally two rackets, purple and green logo. They should hire me for marketing. They, they should. Um, so here we go. So if you want a if you want a Wimbledon branded duffel bag, yeah, just a just a standard duffel gym bag, uh, three hundred and seventy bucks. Thanks very much. Uh, the Wimbledon t shirt, the standard Wimbledon t shirts, eighty bucks. Uh, and then you've got t shirts that go all the way up to one hundred and sixty. Is that pounds? 
No, no, this is, I've converted this for oh, you. 160. Okay, nice. Um, and then we start to go uh, sort of high tier. Now, if you want to look like a Wimbledon ball boy, you can actually buy the shorts that they wear. 265 bucks for the shorts and $340 for the uh, the jacket that they wear over the top. And then as we move to the back of the shop where the uh, Ralph Lauren branded gear appears with the Wimbledon logo, uh, polo shirts are 315 linen shirts 300 pullover jumpers are 400 fleece cardigans are 450 Flying out the door. And if you want to wear uh, the tweed tie that the male umpires wear, $220. Um, it's pretty insane. How much it's, is a ticket? As you can imagine, pretty insane. Oh, very, very hard to get a ticket to ticket to, ticket to Wimbledon. And then uh, strawberries and cream—that's the famous uh, thing that they offer, isn't it? And Pims—that um, isn't too bad though. It's only about well, five or six bucks, but yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking more of a—you know—there was that situation in Miami when one of the salads was a three hundred bucks, I think, for a chicken salad. Now see that's silly. They they do have really fancy stuff at Wimbledon, like you can get ca- like a plate of caviar for three hundred dollars. Um, you know, they have that sort of bougie, but at the same time they know that there are everyday fans there and they, they'll offer them just your your beers and your your chips and stuff. But yeah, hard to get in, Kempi, hard to get tickets to Wimbledon. You'd you'd be able to get in. I think it's I think it's those everyday fans that are probably going into the into the meditation rooms. <laughs> uh, that won't won't be uh, your, your royal your royal box that's going to head into there. But uh, mate, love it! Oh, crazy amounts of money, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy Just, amounts of money. Yeah. Augusta, I think like seventy million they turn over in merch. Yeah, mental. Don't quote me on that, but it's something ridiculous. No, they but make, hey, they, once you're in there, they make um they they've they've said they don't even need. Um, the broadcast rights. So um, they talk about how big that broadcast deal was. They say they don't even need it. They make enough money off um, the tickets that they sell and the merch to be able to be fully sustainable. Is without that the, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Cr- that's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big money there in terms of merch. But let's head over to the UK and we'll catch up with Jeremy Coney because we've got the Ashes taking place tonight, 9pm, live here on SCNZ. Plenty in the build-up to the Ashes third match. Jeremy Coney coming up. Span Elite Ultimate Whey Protein, 750 grams from Chemist Warehouse, now $49.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast here, 14 minutes away from 8 o'clock. Just uh, trying to get to Jerry Coney out of the UK. I think he might be, uh, oh, he is there, he's ready to go, which is fantastic. Um, look, game three, uh, test number three of the Ashes gets underway at Headingley tonight. Clearly must win for the uh, for the English side with Aussie up 2-0 uh, in the series. He is on our SEN commentary team over there. It's fantastic, boys, to have the live coverage uh, of the Ashes on uh, here on SEN. You can stay up late and listen to that through the night, which is awesome listening because part of the team is our one and only. Jeremy Coney is on the line now. G'day, Jerry. G'day, Izzy. How are you? Mate, we are doing fantastically well. Fantastically well. Now, I, gee, I can't remember um, as a controversial last couple of days as we've had in an Ashes series before. There's always talking points. Uh, but, man, the shots have been fired from both camps. And I see even the Prime Ministers are uh, throwing, <laughs> throwing out statements as well. Goes back almost to the underarm, doesn't it? Um, when old Muldoon got very keen about talking about the white, the, the white sort of nose paint that you put on the Australians, you know, noses. Naturally enough, they found their noses in those days, and um, and and it basically was saying they didn't need to put that on because they weren't out there long enough actually for it to play place any, you know, keep the sun away from their noses at all. We were bowling them out, so he. 
he, uh, he, he, he fired up a few of the Aussies as well. Um, it has been, you're right. Um, look, I don't know how you guys see it. There's a, there's a wee bit of sort of spirit of cricket, I guess, in the whole act. But personally, knowing the game, um, uh, you, you as a batsman, you can't call over yourself. Uh, mm. That's up to the umpire. And so to, to make, you know, a unilateral decision that I'm going to walk out of my crease, you're told as a 15-year-old, 12-year-old, that your crease is actually quite an important line in the game and you don't move out there until you think you can make a run. Uh, otherwise, you can be given out. And so I didn't think Carey personally held the ball, the wicketkeeper for Australia held the ball very long. Um, someone said to me it was 0.8 of a second. Well, that's not long enough. Um, and and he, before he sort of just underarmed it straight into the stumps. Um, so I didn't see anything too much wrong with the act myself in terms of the laws of the game, and I don't think anybody has argued against that. They all say, yes, that's that was perfectly fair, and the umpires hadn't called over, and therefore the batsman was out. Um, but certainly those people there at the ground that I was at the other day uh, took a different view, uh, and that was the spirit of cricket that they felt that Cummins, uh, the Australian captain, should have come to the party, if you like, and said, look, I'm going to withdraw that appeal. I, you know, I recognise it out, but we're not going to actually place that appeal and we can now get on with it. And I would say again to him, no, I don't think that's right either. You can't make an account for Bearstow's negligence, if you mm -hmm. like. So personally, that's how I felt about the whole thing. Then it got worse. Once they went inside, mm. the, the uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the long room at, at Lord's, all the members got really quite abusive physically abusive and verbally abusive to Usman Kawaja. And can you believe the irony of it? It was all about decorum. It was about good behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so so I couldn't, uh, couldn't kind of get all that either. So anyway, look, that's where it is. It could get ugly in this next test. Um, we'll wait and see, won't we? Well, the funny thing about social media, Jeremy, is it's actually 2014. There's a clip circulating of Johnny Bairstow when the batsman missed the ball and he had his foot down in the crease and then he slightly just lifts it a wee bit and he knocks the stumps off. So the spirit of cricket is well and truly out the gate when Johnny Bairstow is doing that. But there's been appeals for calm. Joe Root appeals for calm ahead of the third test. Is there security concerns regarding this? What, well, what's the crowd thinking? Are we going to have a, a heated crowd at Headingley? Um, I hope not. I mean, when, Headingley is, of course, up in Yorkshire. And Yorkshire has always been known as the one county where you play hard. You play to the rules, you play fair, but you play to win. So it's quite kind of ironic, again, that we end up in a place that feels those things, and yet the majority of the English people are complaining about it. We don't play to the rules. No, you play to the spirit of cricket, which, um, you know, a little – it's a preamble to all the laws. So – I, I'm not saying 
um, that we should disregard them at all. Uh, but I'm, I'm also saying you can't walk out and do those sort of things and get away with it. Um, so, uh, yes, they are talking about more security. Um, that's been kind of explained to, uh, to all the crowd and so on. Um, there's been a number of articles here that have really kind of, man, they, uh, they've really got into this, the English, and they have kind of almost incited the crowd and telling Kerry he's going to need a special detail of, of, of sort of security <laughs> staff for Gee. himself to look after, you know. So there's, it's, it's, it's certainly raised the ire of all the, all the English, um, and it's a bit over the top to be honest. Um, but we'll wait and see, won't we? Just see what happens. There's a, there's a crowd in Headingley along one sort of side of the ground which are known to get fairly boisterous, and I guess that's where the majority of those extra, you know, security staff will be. Jerry, uh, we know that you, you are pushed for time. We do want to let you go. Just 30 seconds quickly, though. Uh, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen, test number three? No Nathan Lyon for Australia. I'm sure that's going to be a, a big talking point. But what do you see taking place over the next five days? Well, um, so far we've seen uh, England trying to prepare pitches very slow uh, and taking the bowlers out of the game and so making it into a kind of a, a sort of a willow shootout, the shootout with the bat. Um, but they've kind of been changing a bit as they go along. And now this pitch looks a little bit green, just a wee bit. Um, uh, we're going to have to wait and see how it behaves. Uh, in the past, of course, all these ga- all, all the games in England were bowling shootouts. They had Anderson and they had Broad and they had other bowlers and so on. It was a bowling shootout. They've changed that whole nature for this series. Um, so, look, what do I feel about it? I think probably Australia will play a waiting game, as they have, waiting for England to get it, get in, to- in charge of the game and then give it back to England. And I think that's really a sort of a, a summary of what we've seen so far. Mm. And Australia have deserved their lead. Mm. Awesome, Jerry. Uh, look, I know you do have to go and we have to rush away as well, but it's so good to have you on. You can listen to Jerry and all the team tonight on ECM. We've got live commentary here of the Ashes. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. We'll be back in a moment. Blast away plaque with the Colgate Blast cordless water flosser from Chemist Warehouse, now just $99.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two. Yes, let's raise some money for Child Cancer Foundation. This time we're going to go to Cambridge tonight. Race four, number two, Gandalf. We've picked it a few times now and not got the chocolates. Though a couple of seconds, three seconds in fact, in a row, surely tonight is the night from a great jaw. So Gandalf, race four, number two. And remember, Kempe's kicker, it is Thursday, eight and nine. Get your picks through. Show us what you want to have a punt on and we'll pick them. We'll select them. We've got a $50 bonus bet for you. Kempe's kicker, Thursday. Send those odds or those bets through and you'll come with us and hopefully get you paid. Coming up, Daniel Hillier talking golf. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Support your immune health this winter with Go Healthy from Chemist Warehouse. Now 20% off the entire range. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 
62 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win. I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut! Yes, welcome back. It is uh, just after 8 o'clock. Izzy and Brem- uh, Kempe for breakfast on SCNZ talking hot dogs. We've got a hot dog eating comp later on this morning at about 8.20ish. Kempe and Sammy Hewitt are going to fill their mouths with some hot dogs and have a wee race here live on SCNZ. So stay tuned <laughs> for that. Cover it up. And speaking of food, fresh hot crayfish from Mudgee. As regards to our um, can't wait question of the day, your death row meal, a hot crayfish. Ooh, that sounds bloody good. And then here's another one from Stephen. Good morning, gentlemen. Toad in the hole, gentlemen. Being a true Yorkshire man, I bloody love Yorkshire puddings. All mm. the best, Steve-o. Yeah. Ooh, plenty of food chat coming up. And then just a quick couple of apprentices here. Kia ora bros. I had one of the apprentices use the bike pump on the digger track. Told him it was flat. <laughs> That is harsh That is harsh That's terrible (laughs) One more One more just to get us guard I used to send the labourers for a sack of compressed air And when they let it go over the hole I'd tell them to hold the sack tighter Because it keeps leaking out (laughs) That is harsh yeah. You know what? You just do what you're told when you're an apprentice. I fell for the worst left-handed screwdriver. Oh, and there's a couple there in regards to the Warriors. But right now, we're going to talk some golf. And we're going to cross over to the UK. And we're going to chat to the one and only, Daniel Hillier. Have we got him online? I think we're, I think we're just still pulling him up. The uh, maybe a, All good. Maybe a slight delay after his celebrations. <laughs> he's, probably no worries, he's probably still coming down. No, I six him last like night. He's actually going to play. <laughs> well, well, wouldn't you, mate? Five hundred and fifty thousand euros in the pocket. So he's got his biggest payday to boot. His biggest win of his career. He's only twenty-four. He's a young man, and uh, he's got a big old future. And what does this do? This opens up plenty opportunities for the young man to to go forward. He's playing at Liverpool. Royal Liverpool, where the US, uh, the the Open has been played on July the twenty third, and he's an absolute champion. So uh, we're we're so pumped for the young man. Obviously, came from nowhere to take out the British Masters there on the DP World Tour. That bunker shot, a pitching wedge, hits it on a little bit of a downslope, get a bit of side spin right over towards the hole. A six iron, a six iron on the par five, flushed it. To set him up for an eagle. A three-stretch hole, five under. The man, the one and only, Daniel Hillier. Good morning to you. Afternoon to you over there in the UK, my friend. Yeah, good morning, mate. How you doing? 
I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm absolutely chuffed for you, Dan. Oh, I met you a few years ago at the New Zealand Open, been watching your career. You came so close a couple of years ago, missing qualification for the DP World Tour. You stayed strong, you stayed confident, and then you got the ticket, and now the doors that have opened, you've won the British Masters, my friend. Oh, mate. It's, yeah, it's been crazy. Crazy couple of years, that's for sure. Um, yeah, if you told me that I'd, I'd be a DP World Tour winner uh, at 24 years old, I would have, yeah, just laughed at you probably. But hey, here we are. It's um, Yeah, it's been been a crazy, crazy few weeks. Mate, talk us through that, that moment. That three-stretch hole, when you went five under, I was listening to your comments post that you, you're saying you're playing poorly throughout the day, but then something clicked. Five under over three holes. Yeah. Disgusting. Uh <laughs> yeah honestly man, I, I couldn't tell you what uh what happened there but um yeah i guess you know as as i said in some of those uh interviews it was yeah i knew there were sort of some chances coming in uh at the end of the round but yeah never thought i'd um you know be able to take advantage of them the way i did and so yeah i was i was pretty chuffed to be able to you know turn it around um i was yeah obviously grinding away a little bit through the middle of the round and just sort of hanging on for dear life. But, uh, yeah, you know, as you know, golf's a funny game and uh, you never know when it's going to click. And, yeah, just just grateful that it happened uh, when it did. Came to, It all came together. Dan, what's the response been like, you know, um, post the win from uh, just not the just not the people at home but sponsors, opportunities? What's it looking like? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, I've you know, everyone's been so supportive, um, obviously, as you say, from back home. But, again, uh, the opportunities that that come with um, you know getting my first uh, my first win is yeah pretty pretty magnificent um, and yeah got a couple of big opportunities coming up over the next couple of weeks with the uh, the Scottish Open and um, you know the 151st Open Championship so yeah um, those are going to be you know a couple of great events obviously bigger stages a um, lot more at stake and uh, yeah I'm I'm pretty excited for the challenge. Any uh, famous names pop up on your on your phone, mate? Texts after the after the big win? No, Rory McIlroy's giving you congratulations or anything like that. Oh, there's there's a guy by the name of it, Izzy Dag, eh? Um, <laughs> pretty, uh, yeah, <laughs> nah, that, was, that, was, that was so cool. Oh, you nah, poor man. Oh, there's been so many guys. <laughs> it's been it's been amazing. Just the the amount of support from so many different sports people. Obviously, you know, Foxy. Um, who's been sort of watching over my shoulder. He's, he's been a big, big help over these last few months, you know, sort of helping me find my feet. And he was, uh, you know, sending me messages, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, having guys like that in your corner, it just makes makes the whole process a lot easier. And, um, yeah, pretty pretty grateful just, just for everyone that uh, took the time to, to message. And hopefully I can get back to them all. But, uh, yeah, slow, slowly working my way through them. <laughs> Mate, like this has been coming for a while. A couple of weeks before your big win, you're a third. So you know your game's these is at where it needs to be. Uh, is there any room for improvement? You know, like is there anything a part of your game that you're constantly working on to to give yourself a good stead and continue this winning form? Oh, absolutely. And I think you know it's the same with everyone. We we're always trying to get better. And um, yeah, obviously, you know, if I'm looking back at this week, it was there are definitely some shots that I'd like to take back and, you know, it's just still looking back at those and thinking, well, where, where did I actually go wrong? How can I, you know, approach it better if, if, you know, whether it was, um, you know, just to do with my routine or, um, 
yeah, just 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 small things. I think at this stage where you know your game feels pretty comfortable, but there's all those you know little things that you can just tidy up along the way to you know to maybe shave one or two shots during a tournament. Um, and you know at the end of the day, one or two shots can make a big difference. So uh, yeah, I'll just keep chipping away, and uh, hopefully the results keep on coming. Dan, what, what does a win like this do for you with a with a financial windfall, the the access to, I guess, a, a lot of opportunities? What what does it actually mean for Dan Hillier? It's oh, mate, it's been a dream of mine since I was a little kid. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always been pretty pretty competitive, and I guess growing up playing different sports, I never really knew what uh, what avenue I was actually going to go down. But as soon as I sort of committed fully to golf, it was um, yeah, it was all I could think about is just you know competing with the best of the world um, and you know trying to trying to come out on top and yeah to to look back on on the journey that's been to the last however many years it's it's pretty pretty awesome just to, to know that you know i've put a, a lot of hard work into it and um yeah it's slowly starting to come into fruition so yeah it means the world so you got you got the scottish open coming up dan but one eye will be on royal liverpool in the open is this the first time you're playing in a major and you played royal liverpool today what's the course like yeah, um, got a got a good look at um, at the course today, and uh, yeah, it was um, it was pretty pretty awesome just seeing you know all of the infrastructure there that's been built and um, all the hospitality and the work that goes in behind the scenes before the event. I think uh, I was talking to to the GM there when we when we arrived, and he said that they've been working on you know the whole setup since I think the beginning of March or something. So yeah, a lot of work's gone into it, and it looks seriously impressive. Um, and yeah, the golf course itself is is great. It's challenging, tight. Um, can imagine it'll it'll get firmer and faster uh, the closer we get to the tournament. And so, yeah, it's going to be going to be a great test. They they say the courses are, um, are set up for for certain players players that love to draw the ball, love to fade the ball. You know, potentially irons off off the tee. What what what's the approach potentially? Is it one of those courses where you really got to? Um, you know, think about your question, your shots, or is it just pull the trigger on the driver and, and get it down as long as possible? Oh, no, it's, it's definitely, you know, one of those ones where you you need to, you know, be able to hit all sorts of different shots. You've got holes going in different directions, you know, with the prevailing wind, it just means you've got wind coming in, you know, every direction you can think of. Um, holes that shape different ways, you've got lots of slopes that you can use and, um, obviously with, you know, the links courses typically being a bit firmer, you can, you know, you get to learn how to flight your golf ball and use those slopes to your advantage. And so, yeah, a lot of thinking, um, that sort of goes into golf courses like that. And I feel like, you know, growing up in Wellington where, you know, the, the conditions are usually pretty harsh, it's, um, sort of put me in good stead for courses like these where you do need to be able to sort of control your ball and hit different shots. And so, yeah, I'm, um, obviously feeling, feeling pretty good about my game. So I just got to go out and, you know, mm make a game plan that I can trust and, and commit to during the tournament. Yeah, mate, we are all so looking forward to seeing you out there um, in a couple of weeks' time. Just before we do let you go, uh, just take us a little bit into, I guess, the, the mentality and the emotion that you've experienced over the last couple of days leading into next weekend. I imagine there's going to be a sense of awe as you see, you know, these, these big-name players that you've probably grow, grown up idolising walking through the gates of Royal Liverpool. Uh, how much of it is just trying to block that out and remembering you've got a, a golf tournament to play uh, versus soaking it all in and saying, you know, Dan Hillier, you're, you're playing in a major? Yeah, I guess um, at least that's the thing. I just have to go out there and trust in my ability that, you know, 
I've, I think I've proved to myself that I can compete at, uh, at the highest level. And so, yeah, as you say, it's, it's probably not so much a case of trying to block it out, but just in embracing that moment. And, you know, the more you can do that, uh, you know, even if the result doesn't go my way, if I can go into it with the right mindset and, and know that, you know, I've done the work, then, you know, I can be, I can be proud of, of the way I've played um, no matter, no matter the result really. And, yeah, I guess uh, every every time you sort of put yourself in that situation, it, it gets a little easier. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll just go out there and, and give it my all and, uh, yeah, be happy uh, no no matter what the result. Oh, we're pretty, bloody proud of you, Dan. Obviously, uh, Kiwi golfers are flying at the moment on the world stage, and it's great to see another name, Dan Hillier, uh, in the winner's circle, going to a major. Just last question before I let you go. Have all those zeros ended up in your account yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. I'm, I'm, I'm checking it every day. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet, mate. Yeah. How good. You'll shout when you get home, brother. But all the best. Thank you so yes, much sir. for your time. We appreciate it. And well done again. Absolute champion. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. There he is. Dan Hillier. Honestly. Surely, if, he wouldn't be lying there too, boys. Oh, I'd be checking my account every day too. You'd, you'd be refreshing that every second, eh? Just pulling down the, the phone, just, you know, waiting for it all to pop in and buy the Lamborghini straight million away. Dollars. I wonder what his, million Google, dollars. What's his Google, Google search engine's all about, you know? Cars, Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, real estate, gee. He don't need to. He'll be getting his sponsors. He's sponsored by Hugo well, Boss, it. so that's, that's the other thing. sponsor. Yeah, mm. that's the other thing, all the sponsors that would have come out of the woodwork because he's uh, actually got got a big one. Um, uh, it's really it's really cool way, eh? you know, like when you're talking to, to someone from home and, you know, they've gone up there and they've won on the world stage and you can still hear that they're from home, you know, they haven't haven't really, I guess it hasn't really sunk in. Um, There's a cool part about that conversation. And, and Sammy, you're dead, right? Like, how do you block that out? Yeah. You know, you're there, Royal Liverpool, you're looking at every major name in golf walking around next to you and going, actually, I've actually got a chance here. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a chance. Yeah. How, how how do I just get out there and just play my natural game? Yeah, still got to play, you know, four rounds of golf if you make it to the to the Sunday. I just can't imagine how tough that'd be. But uh, that that's us, the layman golfers, is he? You know, in awe of all these other all guys. Right. Sammy's been going right, on save about you. taking you to, save your oxygen, you to the Tony. Save your oxygen, okay? You just save your oxygen. Turn those mics off. Save your oxygen because it's that time of the morning, lads. You're going to shoot out. You're going to get ready because when we come back. Kempy and Sammy will have their gobs full of hot dog. It's the hot dog eat off with Sammy and Kempy. You're listening to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. What we got, bud? Yeah, if we take a look at Ashburton first, where they've got a 10 race card today, uh, and there's a couple that have been backed early on. Uh, if we go to race seven, uh, number four, Louie Louie, uh, trained by Stephen Woodsford. 450 into 350 has been very, very well backed by punters. Uh, and race one, first race of the day, the best backed on the card so far uh, out of the Pittman barn and to be ridden by Corey Campbell, number one, Sea Shepherd, 420 into $3. That's been the best backed on the card so far. And there was a bit of early money on uh, yesterday. So uh, a number of punters, very, very keen on the chances of number one, Sea Shepherd, in the uh, in race one at Ashburton, Cochrane's of Canterbury. Um, that's with a three- and four-year-old set weight over 1,600 metres. Um, Sporting-wise, you mentioned the rugby championship. 
look, the All Blacks have been backed in their uh, first test of the season against uh, Argentina. Uh, they're $1.17 in that match result market. The Argentinians are $4.80. But we have taken uh, a bit of action on the Argentinians at 480, and they are our worst result uh, at the moment. So I guess if you look back over the last couple of tests, um, the All Blacks were way too good for Argentina. Uh, I think it was in Hamilton last year, but uh, they got one over us in Christchurch. So, uh, And they're very, very tough in Argentina. So I can understand why a number of punters are jumping on uh, the Argentinians at 480. And the other test match, uh, the one between South Africa and Australia, punters think there'll be an upset here. They love the Wallabies. Mm. I don't know if it's the Eddie Jones factor. Um, or the fact that the Australians are starting to get back to being able to pick from a, a, a fully health, healthy squad. Um, they're getting there, and the 380 has been backed. In fact, I think they were north of $4 earlier this week, now into 380 just on the back of the support that punters uh, have given the Australians. So um, the money is suggesting that there could be a couple of upsets in the first round of the Rugby Championship 2023 this year. Ooh, what about your promotions uh, with the selections, mate? Obviously, a lot of players have been left behind for the All Blacks. Has that worked in your favour? Yeah, well, I think the boys closed that down um, before the All Blacks uh, arrived at the airport or, or as they were on their way to the airport, just in case you or Beaver had a little bit of inside <laughs> information. Because <laughs> Beaver did actually asked, why have you closed it? I want to put another team in. So, yeah, no, the boys will close that down. It'll be very, very interesting to see who does get selected. Um, the most contentious areas of selection uh, were the outside backs, um, and, and that was more to do, uh, to do with who was fully fit and who was carrying a bit, a bit of an injury. So uh, that was contentious. Um, also, the loose forwards what that sort of makeup was going to look like. Are they going to start Sam Kane as captain on the, as a number seven uh, or Artie Saver in the seven jersey and maybe move uh, someone like a Dalton Papali'i into eight or six? So, yeah, the two main areas that uh, punters struggled with were the outside backs. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Paulie Moati, watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. Matt Carter, learnings, pickleball, coming up. For year-round allergies and hay fever, try to Mr. Nasal Spray from Chemist Warehouse, only $34.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, quarter to nine here on SENZ. We do learnings every week here and just take a deep dive into something we have absolutely no idea about. We talked about pickleball earlier in the week and joining us now, an aficionado of pickleball in New Zealand, Matt Carter. He's on the line. Matt, uh, how are you? My pleasure. I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, we're all good here, mate, and we'd like to learn a little bit about these uh, these wonderful sports that we know nothing about. I know that Izzy and Sam know nothing about pickleball, but uh, <laughs> mate, just just give us an insight into pickleball. Like, what is it, mm. um, and what is it? What what sort of court? It's obviously a court that you play on. Yeah, so um, around the world, and and mostly, um, it's a hybrid of of pickleball. I mean, sorry, it's a hybrid of badminton, tennis, and table tennis. Um, and it's played commonly outdoors on an outdoor court surface, much like the Ashcroft tennis courts. Um, more commonly in New Zealand, just because of our climate, we play it indoors, um, obviously on a badminton court. Um, and, yeah, it, it 
pretty much a very, very good hybrid of all three. Um, it's a badminton size court with a variation of tennis and table tennis rules um, and scoring and the like. Played with what you'd probably remember if you don't know anything about the sport as a pad tennis bat. Pad tennis, day. yes. And what about the yeah. what about the ball? What's like the obviously pickle ball? What what's the ball like? Yeah, the balls are wiffle balls. So um, right. a, a small plastic, yeah, a small plastic hole with uh, a ball with holes in it. Um, played with indoor hockey sometimes at schools as well. And that's what makes the loud popping sound uh, that everyone's complaining about. <laughs> mate, so what's, what, are, what are some of the tactics, mate? Like, at the, the like, do you have someone at the front of the net? Do you have someone on the baseline? Like, what, what's the best way to play it? Um, depends on your level. Um, if you're watching, if you're watching professional level, which is um, you know very big in the states, then um, it's a very tactical, soft game. A lot of the players will come up towards the net, so you have all four players essentially volleying or um, doing soft shots at the net. Um, but if you're at entry level and you're just going down to your local club, then you'll see a lot of people playing very typical tennis. You know, one forward, one back, or all four back if they can't manage to get up to the net. Um, it really depends on the level. But yeah, the goal. The goal commonly is to uh, have all four of you playing at the net and uh, trying to get your opponents out first. And obviously you don't let the ball bounce. Like I know those wiffle balls don't go anywhere when they hit the ground, so it's all in the air? Oh, no, no, they do bounce. Okay. Um, it, yeah, yeah, it's not as not as high or as fast as tennis, but um, no, they definitely bounce, and, and there's rules around having to let it bounce throughout the game for the first two shots especially. Um, but you can hit it on the floor as well after that, of I, course. I thought Sammy was going to talk to you about the the soft approach because he's soft uh, as Sammy Hewitt. He doesn't like uh, <laughs> I'll be right up at the net, Kevin, whacking it back in your face. <laughs> Matt, just, just you said it's a hybrid between table tennis, tennis, and what was the other badminton sport? and badminton? Like, do you like play around with the the paddle? Is it the paddle bat, the pickle bat? Like, do you do you use special glue or grip or anything like that? You definitely can. So it's, it's very <laughs> much like tennis in the sense that you can put over grips on. People can add lead tape to make you know them heavier, or or take it off to make it lighter. You can buy different versions. Um, there's different materials that it's made from. Um, so, yeah, there are, there are elements to it, but <clears throat> very commonly it's a hard surface bat with a plastic ball. So um, nothing really is going to make it less of a noise. Mm. I reckon part of the reason or, or a big big reason why uh, those noise complaints coming out of New York is, is simply the popularity of it. Um, Matt, it seems like it's exploded. I've got a bunch of mates who are constantly inviting me to pickleball uh, sort of sessions now during the week. How Has this game been around for years and years and years and all of a sudden it's come out of nowhere or is it actually quite a recent game and, it, and its popularity has just soared when it was introduced? Um, both. It's been around for ages, um, but it really took off probably, I'd say, you know, between 12 and 15 years ago, that's sort of when it took off. Companies sort of specialised in it. There's companies that only do pickleball. That's their sole. They've got, you know, manufacturing plants. They've got, you know, staff just for pickleball um, or pickleball gear. So, um, yeah, and then sort of more so in the last three years, you've had big investors, like you say, LeBron James, King Clijsters, um, you know, even more local, like uh, Matt Walsh, the Breakers owner and stuff like that, are all investing in, in uh, American pickleball, which is just raising the level. You've had Jack Sock, who's still playing and has been top tennis, um, playing in professional tournaments and doing well. So that's, you know, obviously brought more attention to it. Um, but definitely, yeah, the popularity behind it, people love it. We run a club locally in Albany and Auckland, 
and we play just one session a week there on a Thursday night. We only have 12 courts, just that's all we can get, and we're still getting 100 people sort of every wow. week. Wow. Um, and we stopped advertising. It's just all word of mouth. People are totally obsessed with it. Well, that's the one I'm getting invited to, so you might see me down there on a Thursday night one time. Uh, tell us about the um, the Pro League. So, obviously, America's big on it. Is that the only place around the world where you can play professionally, and, and what does that Pro League look like? Um, so there's a couple. Um, there's a couple of different tours, they call them. So one's the PPA and the other's APP, PPA being the main one, um, the Pro Football Association, and... Yeah, the players tour. Um, we had one of the we had the second best player in the world here earlier in the year, and um, this year is the first year that um, it's sustainable for players to play professionally and that be at their sole income, um, including endorsements and, stuff and prize money and stuff like that. But um, it's finally at the level now where they can do that as a professional full time gig. Um, prior to that, a lot of them would also have to run camps, you know, pickleball camps, and, and teaching the beginners and intermediates how to get better, or you know, constantly getting further endorsements to make it sustainable but um yeah so you've got that you've got more recently the major league pickleball which has been introduced which is a team format um it's a bit more fun it's sort of done over it's not you don't just win that one day you sort of play a few different tournaments and then you play in a final of this major league pickleball and the winners get a, you know a prize money um set amount and then there's also smaller events. So even um, more locally, Australia, they have um, a $20,000 tournament coming up in August that I'll be heading over for. Um, and, you know, those players there, it's pretty much all the top local players over there that are battling for their equivalent of um, that tour over in, in America. So it's definitely getting around the place. Um, America's obviously still the hot spot, and it's mainly because they have all the facilities for it. But, yeah, it's growing everywhere. Well, there's still hope for Sammy Hewitt because he w- wants to be a professional uh, sportsman. Maybe, maybe pickleball's his his mm. game. We, ne- we never know. We might see me out at Albany. Just what what other uses for the bat? Like you know, I've, I've got a, my mother and a few of my aunties would like to use a, a bat <laughs> on a few of us kids <laughs> growing up. But but is like what else? Like if you don't, have you seen people use it as a, maybe a pizza throwing pizzas in an oven or something like that, Matt? <laughs> I uh, can't say I have, but um, I'm sure if you're creative enough, you can do what you like with it. Yeah, well, the padded element of it probably makes it conducive to a lot of things. Matt, uh, just before we let you go, what what is it about pickleball um, that, I guess, makes you love the game so much? Why do you think it's become so popular? What is it about the game itself? Yeah, it, it, um, I think if you ask anybody that question, it's without a doubt it's inclusive. Um, doesn't matter your size, age, um, anything like that, your ability even, it really doesn't matter. Um, at a general entry level, even up to intermediate advanced, doesn't really matter. You can have a fun game, you could be playing with your grandkids, you could be playing with your mum, you could be playing with your siblings, um, you could be playing with your friends, and it really is easy to pick up, it's easy to sustain, and it's fun. Um, we yeah we run the club every week and we've got literally people that have never played before and they come back every week. Some people that still don't even really know how to hit the ball but they still love it because they feel like they can be a part of it. They enjoy getting to it. Um, they're better than it than they were at other sports. Um, and then the other people that are you know the people that are really good at it they just enjoy the the, the change the variance. Getting um, paid. But, yeah, bring their friends. <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, that, the Pro League is a definite pathway for you, Kempe. Uh Matt, I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on, just enlightening us uh, a little bit. If people, uh, I know you said you're sort of fully booked up on a Thursday night, but if people did want to find out more about it, is there a, a New Zealand pickleball website or something they can look up to, to find a, a local uh, sort of club or tournament? 
Yep, there's an association, so it's uh, pnza.org.nz um, and there'll be a Where to Play page on there and that's obviously nationally. There's about 50 clubs across the country, so um, wow. yeah, North and South Island. Wow. Awesome, awesome, Matt. Uh, we we'll really appreciate your time on Izzy and Kippy for breakfast this morning, mate. Thanks heaps. Awesome. Cheers, guys.